This is Cover 2, a podcast on the Cleveland Browns. Hit! Browns are going to win! Mayfield, end zone, Landry, touchdown! With Dan Kadar and Browns beat writer Nate Ulrich of the Akron Beacon Journal and Ohio.com. With Steve Dorshuk from the Canton Repository. Everybody, welcome back to Cover 2. This is Dan Kadar, joined by Browns beat writer Nate Ulrich. Nate, how have you been? Good, Dan. Pretty busy. Uh, Tuesday here is usually uh, the off day for the NFL teams if they're playing the you know Sunday game, and it is so for the Browns. You know, they don't practice, but it's been a busy, newsy day. It really has been, and we, like like Nate said, Tuesday is quiet usually, so that's why we record on Tuesdays. And today, obviously, we're going to look ahead to the Browns-Bears game on Sunday in Cleveland. We'll get to that, but the the news Nate is referring to, as I'm sure most of you know by now, or you all do probably, is that Jarvis Landry, Cleveland Browns wide receiver, has landed on injured reserve, which means now it's different. It's not what injured reserve used to be. It means he has to miss at least three games. So that is a that's a big blow for the Browns. He went down early in the game against the Houston Texans. And uh, I don't know. I, I think this is a about as big of a blow as you could say for the Browns, besides obviously like Baker Mayfield or Miles Garrett or you know, a couple others here and there, but from a, just a skill standpoint, losing Jarvis Landry to me, Nate, seems like a big one. Um, what did the Browns do without him, and where do they kind of go from here? Well, I agree it's a huge blow. Jarvis is one of their best players. He's a top leader, if not the top leader on the team. You can't replace that. Uh, you know, I know after the game on Sunday – you know, Marlo Reinauer, Steve Dorschuk, George Thomas, and I talked a lot about the emotional leader role that he fills. And, you know, we talked about Baker Mayfield and how he's kind of like that. And, you know, maybe Miles Garrett can step up a little bit, even though that's not his, you know, natural uh, demeanor. You know, he, he does know he needs to be more vocal and he has become increasingly vocal. Um, but really there's just no one quite like Jarvis. And then yesterday on zoom, uh, Kareem Hunt said, you just, there is no other Jarvis Landry, you know, basically. So, um, I just, I think Jarvis will be very around and involved in providing what he can behind the scenes and on the sideline and everything. Um, they will have coach Landry, but they won't have him on the field. So huge blow. And I think that there's a couple things. I mean, (laughs) The way this team is built, the weapons are still plentiful. And although it's a it's a really significant loss, you, you've got so much in the cupboard when you talk about, I mean, I think you have to start with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, the sport's best running back tandem. And 
I think that as much as you lean on those guys at times, you you can always lean on them more in this situation. Now, Odell Beckham Jr. has been hinting on social media, <laughs> Twitter and, and uh, YouTube, that he believes he is close to returning and that this is an imminent return. So I cannot guarantee anything with Odell because I – thought that he was going to play in week one after watching everything he's done and all the practices that we've been able to watch in the media, um, you know, really since spring, mid-June, uh, mandatory mini camp and all of training camp. And then into the regular season when our, our viewing times cut down to like a half hour a day, but still get to see enough. And from my vantage point and talking to players, coaches, things that they said, observations they shared, and what I saw with my own eyes, all signs pointed him playing week one. They obviously took that decision down to, uh, you know, the wire and, and did not announce it until 90 minutes before kickoff at Arrowhead. And obviously Odell did not play. Then Stefanski ruled him out in week two on, on a Wednesday, last Wednesday, just because he wanted to – he didn't want that uncertainty hanging over his players and his coaching staff as they prepared for the Texans and just wanted to get it out of the way. I think that there's a good chance that we show up in Berea tomorrow as a media core and Stefanski says, you know, hey, barring any setbacks, uh, you know, this is the week where we're going to try to get Odell ready and playing. We'll have to see if that's the way he handles it. We'll have to see how this goes. Um, but you know, there are reasons to believe that, you know, Odell Beckham Jr. is going to be back to fill that role for Jarvis Landry, including Odell's tweet yesterday uh, telling Landry that, you know, we're going to hold it down while, while Landry's uh, absent. And also, you know, Odell, he had a video he posted on YouTube, on his official YouTube channel, and lyrics included Welcome Back. Uh, <laughs> back like i never <laughs> left was in a caption on the video so yeah so you know hey what does it all mean when is it official and all that yeah i mean hey i'm like i said i'm not guaranteeing anything but obviously it's my job to pay attention to all this stuff so here i am talking about it um if odell is back i mean that's that's huge and that'll give you your true number one receiver while jarvis is out but Regardless, I, I think you start the conversation with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt as to how you compensate for this kind of loss. When you get to the receiving core, Rashard Higgins has been the guy who has time and again not had a big role early in seasons, and then something happens. Last year it was the torn ACL to Odell, and Jarvis Landry, or I'm sorry, and then Rashard Higgins comes in and he reminds everyone that he is a trusted, reliable target of Baker Mayfield, and he can make big-time plays. So I, I think that there's an ascent there to be had. Listen, Donovan Peoples-Jones has had a disappointing start to the season. First of all, he was only targeted once in the opener, and he made a big catch. It was a, yeah. uh, you know, whatever, third third and four, I think. He made a, a, a nice contested catch on a slant on the, on the final possession to keep the drive going. It ultimately ended in a Baker Mayfield pick, as we know, in Kansas City. But, you know, so Peoples-Jones had a weirdly quiet opener. 
But that's going to happen with all the weapons that you have on this team. There's going to be a guy or two, I think, every week when you look back and you say, why didn't you get the ball more? Well, look how many guys there are to get the ball to. I think that's part of it. And then the other thing, Dan, is, you know, obviously Peoples-Jones, my expectations are high for him because he was the undisputed training camp MVP, and he had a strong rookie season. So we know that it's real, that it translates to game day. It's not just a practice player. This guy can play well in games. You know, I mean, it was 14 catches last year, but there were a couple of really big catches in there. Uh, Game-winning touchdown against the Bengals, 75-yard touchdown against the Titans. And then he gets to week two this year, coming off that one target week one, and he fumbles. You know, he gets that reception. I think it was like 15 yards uh, from Baker Mayfield late in the first quarter. He fumbles. It was a 14-yarder, actually. I have the stats right in front of me now. And he lost a fumble, and that's it. That was his lone target. So two games, two targets. So my point is there's a lot of untapped potential with Donovan Peoples-Jones. Anthony Schwartz obviously had a really good opener, did not have a good game two, fin- didn't finish running her out. Interception is, is you know, at least equally on him uh, as it is on Baker Mayfield, if not more on Schwartz. And Kevin Stefanski made that clear after the game when I asked him, you know, what Schwartz should have done differently. Kevin Stefanski doesn't, you know, criticize guys a lot, but he said, hey, that's that's a learning moment for a really young player, and he's going to learn from them. That's not going to happen again. So you've got those guys, um, you know, in the receiving core. You've got Demetric Felton. You have to count him as a receiver, too, and he obviously had a really good game two, scored the 33-yard touchdown on the lined up in the slot, caught a screen pass, first touch on offense in the NFL, devastating spin move, 33 yards later, touchdown. Um, so you got that, and then obviously the tight ends, they've all played big roles. Austin Hooper, um, you know, he's kind of put together a couple of uh, quietly nice games here, I think, you know, after mm-hmm. a rocky training camp with some drops, uh, five catches on five targets. 40 yards, um, Harrison Bryant, four catches on four targets, 49 yards. And Njoku only had two catches for 18 yards this past Sunday against the Texans, and Njoku had a big opener. Those three guys play a lot. So, I mean, I just think that you're going to have guys who are going to be able to step up and, and, you know, fill this void and weather this storm here. Um, Jarvis Landry can't play again until uh, at the earliest um, – the Browns' home game against the Arizona Cardinals. Um, that would that would that would uh, be the game he could come back after missing three. So you know we'll see if he comes back at three. Nick Chubb, he had a sprained MCL last year and he missed four games. Um, you know, so I won't be surprised if it's more than the minimum three with Jarvis. But we'll see. All injuries are different. All everybody's bodies are different. Everybody's knees are no 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 knees are identical. So. <laughs> We'll see how it goes. But, yeah, I, I liken this blow to the one that the Browns, uh, you know, survived last season with Chubb going out. And, you know, look how Chubb was able to come back and they were able to, to pick it up when he got uh, back from IR, back from the sprained MCL, and have a very successful season. So this is not like a death knell on the season, but it is a blow. It certainly is. And I, I'm glad you mentioned how much the Browns have to spread the ball around. I, I haven't looked at, you know, target percentages for every NFL team, obviously, but 
I I would guess that the Browns target percentage to wide receivers is as low or lower than any team in the NFL. I mean, more than half of Baker Mayfield's 49 targets this year have gone to tight ends and running backs. So, and I mean, that that alone, there's 20 of those 49 just to tight ends. So, you know, the, the, the percentages just aren't going to be there every week for every player. So I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. And I'm also glad you brought up Demetric Felton. Uh, you said after the game he's going to have a bigger role or his role is going to grow. Um, what, what do you make of that? Do you think he's, he's going to be a, a big weapon uh, going forward, a bigger weapon? Are we going to see some some weird stuff with him, whether it's, you know, Kevin Stefanski last year ran a lot of trick plays and he's a very aggressive, daring head coach. What does it mean when they say uh, Demetric Felton's role is going to grow? Well, I think that he's going to fill a void as a slot receiver. And we know Jarvis um, can do more than that, but, it, you know, that's some of his bread and butter in. You know, Baker said after the game that, hey, we tell Dimitri all the time that he's got to know the Jarvis stuff in the playbook. And I think that they all look at Jarvis going down. They look at Dimitri with a per- nice performance on two targets in that game. And they think that this, you know, injury to Landry is giving rise to Felton. So that's what I think they mean. Like they're going to use this guy um, as a slot receiver. I think that's how they started the preseason with him. Remember he didn't get that running back duty until later in the preseason. But when he turned a lot of heads early on in the opener, uh, it was as a slot receiver and he did it again the other day, just catching a couple screens, basically, um, you know, split out. And I think that they can continue that with him. And he is definitely a guy who has a tremendous amount of elusiveness when you get the ball in his hands. And, you know, you're, you're just throwing these short passes, but, it, you know, it, it's a, essentially like a, a different version of a handoff. I think he's a really dangerous guy and could be, as we've said before, a hell of a find in the sixth round. And I still believe Donovan Peoples-Jones was, despite the slow start to the season for him. Like I'm saying, I I do not believe training camp was a mirage. I, in fact, refuse to believe it. And if I'm wrong, I'll admit <laughs> it. But this guy made play after play after play in training camp, and not just average plays, but crazy contested catches. And it was coming off a promising rookie season. So I am not giving up on Donovan Peoples-Jones being a real player. I'm not either. And part of me wonders if just the the offensive game plan at times is just going to cater to these players differently. You know, some weeks are going to be tight end weeks. Some weeks are going to be, we have an opportunity with a speed receiver like Anthony Schwartz. Some weeks it's going to be Baker falls back on his safety blanket, Rashard Higgins. And that could be this week. Who knows? Um, and some weeks could be the Donovan Peoples-Jones week. I, I, I think you're just spot on when, when you say don't overreact if, if somebody has a down game in this offense, just because there's so, so many weapons. And the, the function of the offense is a run-first offense. So 
that that to me is going to work itself out. What I'm starting to wonder if it is going to work itself out, Nate, is the defense for the Browns. I I know they have a ton of new starters on that side of the ball. I know starting your season against the Kansas City Chiefs, arguably the most potent offense in the NFL, is an extremely tough ask. But at what point do we press the panic button about the Browns' defense, whether that is the, the pass rush right now seems ineffective. To me, the linebacker play is still pretty whatever. Uh, and the the cornerbacks, you know, Denzel Ward got picked on early in the game against Houston, which was surprising. But Houston kind of took it to him for a little while there. And Greg Newsom, he's starting and he shows really great flashes, I think. But he also shows some rookie mistakes. He had the big penalty uh, where he just didn't turn around to, to find the ball. He played the player the whole time. Um, when when do we push the panic button about the Browns' defense? I, I push the panic button about, about the Browns' defense with 11.32 left in the fourth quarter Sunday when a rookie came off the bench – uh, to play quarterback for the Texans at halftime or at, in the second half because Tyrod Taylor was done at halftime with a hamstring injury. This rookie, you, I'm sure I can guarantee, know way more about him than I do, but third-round pick, Davis Mills comes in, and he did not light it up. If you look at the statistics, he had a horrible rating. He threw an interception. The rating is 58.1. But what bothered me about this is here the Browns are in their home opener with a with all the talent they've added to their defense. And they let Davis Mills help the Texans produce a 16-play, 75-yard drive. By the way, the um, you know, you mentioned the pass interference. On uh, yep. Greg Newsom, that was during that drive. But mm-hmm. the Texans also earlier overcame a, a taunting penalty on that drive on that on them on their on themselves. So the Texans That's had, right. a, you know, they <laughs> they had a taunting penalty. Um, I I don't know. I mean, it was uh, it was one of those things where you know they started their own twenty five. They marched. They get the they. They pick up a, a first down. They have a taunting penalty. They go back um, to their 43. They keep marching. They get the PI. Um, and then you think, okay, maybe this is a bend but don't break drive because the PI put them in the red zone at the 15. Nope. Davis Mills, uh, touchdown pass uh, on third and goal to, to Brandon Cooks. And at that point, with 11.32 left, it's it's Browns 24, Texans 21. I mean that is way too tight and dramatic um, for for the comfort of the Browns or anybody uh, you know rooting for them in that packed stadium for the first time since 2019. To me that that was a red flag. I mean the Browns <laughs> with everything they've added on defense that's a huge disappointment. Uh, with the rookie quarterback coming in there and and, and letting him, um, you know, lead his team 
back to to you know a field goal and the Texans converted seven to thirteen third downs. I mean, you know, fifty three point eight percent. You know, I mean, it's just not that that's you know not that they're converting every time, but it it's it's enough to to make you kind of question what's going on in the defense. And to me, the question is, are they just gelling and learning to play with each other and are definitely going to get better each and every week to the point where, you know, come November, December, January, when it really matters, when things really matter, but November when they start mattering more, is this defense going to live up to its potential you know, and is the talent on paper going to translate to the field? That's the question. Or are there just so many issues, um, you know, schematically, is the talent really as good as we think it is? You know, is that what's ailing this defense? Or is it just a matter of, of gelling that, that can't possibly be done at this point? So, we're going to find out as the season progresses, but yeah, to me, it's a, it's a big concern because if the defense doesn't learn, get better, gel, whatever you want to call it, if it doesn't uh, play up to its potential that we see on paper, then the Browns are not going to live up to the expectations. They are not going to meet these expectations that, that they have and that their fans have for this season because those expectations are really high. We've talked about so many times. There are Super Bowl expectations. There are deep playoff run expectations at minimum. And those aren't going to be met with the defense playing the way it has. So, like you say, with the Chiefs, you, you kind of got to throw it out the window to some extent because it's the Chiefs. And you're probably just going to have to win shootouts against them. That, From a realistic perspective that's the way it's going to have to go and the Ravens just did that handing Patrick Mahomes his first loss in September ever in the NFL um but against the Texans and Davis Mills are you kidding me they got to get better yeah uh I agree you would think the Browns and the talent that they seemingly have um should have easily taking it to Davis Mills and a, a Texans offensive line, which is pretty good on, on the edges, but I, I don't know the, the people say the Texans have the worst roster in the NFL for a reason. And the, the Browns in a, in a game where they should have, I thought really just destroyed Houston on defense, especially were just very flat and didn't make dynamic splash plays and that's something I think the Browns need to to get I mean there there have been games in the past where a Miles Garrett strip sack completely changes the game I'm not saying he has to do that every game but at some point he he has to show up I know Laramie Tunsil's a, a very good left tackle but Miles Garrett this season his mustache has been more impressive than what he's done on the field and that that's not good so um that's where the browns are right now uh, we'll see where the defense goes i'm sure we'll talk about this more in the coming weeks but nate let, let's look ahead to sunday's game against the bears of course we'll have full coverage of this game we've had a lot of coverage of the houston game over at beaconjournal.com slash sports slash browns 
But looking ahead to Chicago, the game, again, is in Cleveland. It's at 1 o'clock. And for anybody who doesn't know, this week's game is on Fox. The first two have been on CBS. This one's on Fox. So um, change the channel, I guess. But, Nate, what, what do you think of the Bears? It, we don't know at this point on Tuesday afternoon, I don't think, what they're doing with quarterback. They have Andy Dalton, who was hurt last week against the Bengals, his former team. And they have Justin Fields, the Ohio State extremely athletic rookie quarterback. What do you make of the Bill, uh, the Bears? Uh, do they pose a threat to the Browns? Is Dalton a bigger test for the Browns than Fields? What's your take on week three? Well, I think they definitely pose a threat. I mean, they've got some playmakers on defense. I just watched them uh beat the Bengals. I just watched that game back. Um, you know, hey, you have Khalil Mack, you're a threat. That's all. That's really all I have to say. I think I'm done with the Bears analysis. You have Khalil Mack, you're, you're a threat. <laughs> so, no, I mean, I see him. Yeah. I see him at um, uh, left defensive end a lot. Hand in the dirt. Uh, going to be going against... Jack Conklin, but moves around. Saw him uh, play in the interior at times. Um, saw him play at right end facing the left tackle, who will be Jedrick Wills if he can continue to push through ankle injury. He did not finish the game against the Texans. Blake Hans did, but Stefanski uh, expects him to try to gut it out again. Yeah, I mean, that guy's a force. He's moved around throughout his career. Uh, former uh, uh, NFL Defensive Player of the Year. And they've got some good players, I mean, on defense other than him, too. And, uh, you know, I saw a, uh, a, a, you know, a, a pick six um, out of, I was just, it just slipped my mind. Roquan, Roquan Smith. Smith. Yeah. Roquan Smith. I mean, they've got, they've got some players on that, on that D-line, D-line and linebacking core, that front seven. And, uh, you know, so... I think that this is definitely a challenge uh, for the Browns. This is not going to be an easy one. You know, I think the Browns should win. But again, you know, you need some of this talent to start translating defensively here as you're going to be going against probably Justin Fields. I know we don't know definitively, but it's looking like Andy Dalton and a knee injury that's probably going to be Justin Fields who finished the game. Uh, against the Bengals. And, you know, are they more dangerous with Justin Fields? I'd say he's going to make mistakes. I saw him. You know, there's a sack fumble. There's a false start on him. You know, there's a really bad interception uh, against the Bengals where it's just the – I mean, it's one of those where you're like, how could that happen? Just just throws just a really short – it's like a 5- to 10-yard pass right over the middle to no one but the defender. So – you know, there's going to be those rookie mistakes and rookie moments, and the Browns would have to capitalize them if they are indeed facing fields. But, you know, there's also a higher ceiling for that offense with him in there. And, you know, he can definitely make plays with his feet. Uh, saw him, despite that interception, have some really nice passes, um, you know, down the field, stretching it vertically. So, I think that this is definitely a challenge for the Browns. I mean, you're, they do have a – you're talking about the Browns' corners, and, you know, the Bears do have Allen Robinson. 
you know, he's a legitimate receiver and they'll have to contend with that. And I think that Fields will take shots. Uh, that's what I saw against the Bengals in, in his debut. And obviously it'd be different with him and the Bears and the plan and the offense. And, you know, if he's going to be preparing all week as a starter as opposed to coming in relief duty too. So, yeah, I, I think this is going to be closer than a lot of people think it will be. The line is seven and a half. Uh, with the Browns as the home favorites, and I'm probably going to pick the Browns by a field goal. I think it's going to be tight. I do too. the The Bears are the Bears are sneaky decent, and I, I think they're getting better, especially as as Fields gets more comfortable. I mean, the other thing about the Bears is that they have just some some old pros who are just good good ball players. I mean, Akeem Hicks up the middle, he's, he's what you dream of when you think of like giant defensive tackles who stuff the run and Jason Peters at left tackle. I mean, good grief. The the guy must be immortal. He's likely a future hall of fame player. He's still playing at a, a fairly high level. Um, so that, that it's, I think it's a tough matchup. I think it's a sneaky tough matchup for the Browns. And I I don't know. In my head, I just keep thinking, like, this is the Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa game, especially if Justin Fields plays, in that, you know, Fields can can really move. So maybe JOK is the, the guy that's brought in to stop him, kind of like, Theoretically, he's brought in to stop Lamar Jackson, you know, so he can kind of get a taste of that against Justin Fields or the, the Bears. Cole Komet's a, a pretty good tight end there. Uh, you you would think JOK would be on him some. So to me, Nate, I, I'm kind of expecting a big game out of JOK. Am I, am I crazy thinking that? Um... You can say yes. I know I can say yes. I've said it before. <laughs> I've called you many things. No. <laughs> you have, yes. Um, I'm a little thrown off by that one. Really? Yeah. In in what regard do you think well, that? Well, because I thought that JOK was going to kind of ascend as a result of the Anthony Walker Jr. injury. Uh, Anthony Walker Jr. got hurt last Thursday during practice, hamstring injury. They put him on injury reserve on Friday. So like Jarvis Landry, he has to miss at least three games. Anybody who goes on IR, that's the rule. Obviously, uh, Walker got his first game out of the way Sunday uh, against the Texans, and so he'll have to miss two more. Uh, This one against the Bears, and then next week against the Vikings, and then he can come back. So... I thought JOK was going to, you know, kind of be the guy whose snap counts ascended and, you know, all that. And he actually played less than he did in week one. Uh, And Mac Wilson played more than him. Sione Takitaki played a little bit less. I think JOK's snap count was 18, I want to say. So I can find that real quick. And... I think it was 25 against the Chiefs. So 
Yeah, so he played 18 snaps. Taki Taki played 16. Mac Wilson played 25. And then Malcolm Smith, who I thought was going to be the starting middle linebacker in place of Walker, and he was, and the signal caller, um, he played 58, 95% of defensive snaps, 58 out of, out of 61. So I thought Malcolm Smith was going to was gonna start middle linebacker and call the defense. I was right about that. But what I was wrong about was I didn't think he was going to play virtually every snap. I thought it was going to be more of a rotation and they were going to balance it out and Smith's snaps were going to increase, but that they were going to have some other linebackers in there and, you know, there would be maybe a, a second green dot, you know, when Smith's out of the game. And then the JOK snap count was going to rise and, and it and actually decreased. So I don't know, Dan. I mean, he's kind of trending the other way from what you're expecting. Well, crap. Now I feel like a fool. So I'm I'm going to double down. <laughs> Excellent. As, as one does and yeah. say, uh, we're going to get some kind of big play out of Jeremiah Wusu-Koromoa this week, or Sunday, rather. Um, and we're the, the Browns are going to get either like a a fumble, interception, a big sack, something like that out of their second round pick. So that that's my prediction. I am predicting a Browns win. I'm not going to predict like I stupidly did against Houston, a a big blowout, which was 41 to 10 against Houston. Um I'm I think I'm going to go with like 27 to 21. Browns. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if you have a score prediction. I know you think it's going to be closer than the spread would imply, which, by the way, none of what we say is betting advice ever. So don't take it that way, anybody who's listening. But uh, do you have a score prediction or is it too early in the week to say, Nate? I'm going to go 27-24 Browns. Um, you know, the way that they can actually – take care of business without making this a dramatic one. Mm-hmm. They have been turning it over, obviously. And, you know, like I mentioned, Anthony Schwartz uh, with not finishing the route on the interception. And then there was the DPJ fumble. Obviously, we know Nick Chubb uncharacteristic fumble in, in Kansas City. Baker with the interception to end it. And then he had the Jamie Gillen drop snap when he lined up the punt. And he got mobbed for a turnover on downs. It was essentially a like a, the Chiefs getting a takeaway. They got it at the 15, I think. So, yeah, I mean, the Browns, uh, they got a couple takeaways in this game. Malcolm Smith had an interception. There was a muff punt. Sione Takitaki recovered. Um, but, yeah, there's going to be mistakes. I think even if Andy Dalton somehow plays, he's going to turn it over. Um, I think Justin Fields will for sure because, like I said, there's going to be some rookie moments even with the upside he brings. The Browns got to take care of it for once. So that that's the way that they, you know, win this by, you know, a touchdown or more. Um, you know, but until I see it, I don't know. I think this – I'm leaning toward this being a close one. 27-24 is my early pick. I think that's fair. We'll see on Sunday. Again, the game is at 1 at, in Cleveland, so we will have full – coverage of the game over at beaconjournal.com slash sports slash Browns. Nate, anything else you want to hit on this week before we head out? 
I don't think so, Dan. I mean, obviously, keep following along. You know, it could be a, a very interesting week if Odell indeed comes back, actually plays. Um, you know, everybody's been waiting for a long time and, you know, a couple weeks longer than I think everyone expected. So I think things are lining up for it to happen, but we'll have to see. He's got to get through the practice week and hopefully he talks to media. I know the Browns are prepared for him to do all that, but it's all actually got to happen. Um, and if he speaks, it'll be the first time since late July when he had a youth football camp before training camp began. Yeah, that, that would be nice to see. I mean, the, the Kevin Stefanski has, has done a, a real big dancing routine around, you know, what their timetable for Odell Beckham has been. And I, I know you reporters have been doing a good job of asking him that, like, you know, when when is the update? Were you expecting week three? That 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 kind of stuff. So it would be nice to hear from Odell Beckham because uh, I'm I'm sure he'll when he does finally talk. Hopefully he'll he'll have some interesting things to say. So stay tuned for all of that. Uh, we will have full coverage of everything going on with the Browns. Again, beaconjournal.com slash sports slash Browns. But for now, thank you for listening to Cover 2 this week. And we will talk to you guys next time.